And I will captivate you with everything I've got to bring the best out in you. One strength, one heart is all you need tonight, 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 tonight. Uh, those are lyrics from a song called Captivate You by a small English band called the Marmosets. It's off their 2014 album, The Weird and Wonderful Marmosets. Uh, I don't really know a ton about the band. I just know that this song, somehow I found this song um, like last year and it's it's like awesome. Um, I listen to it all the time. It pumps me up. Uh, the girl's voice is excellent. Um, she puts a lot of passion into the song. Um, and the lyrics really hit me. Um, it's, I will captivate you with everything I've got to bring the best out in you. Um, that's really the key ones that stand out to me. Uh, because it could be about getting inspired, drawing inspiration from anything. Like if you do your best in life, people around you will see that you're doing your best and you're really working hard. Um, and they'll want to work hard too. They, they'll, you, you're bringing the best out of everyone else around you by, uh, by captivating them in some capacity. And what I like to think when I hear this song is like legendary, like athletes, I'll have it on at the gym, um, on the treadmill and things like that. And I'll be thinking of like Michael Jordan, like these crazy, like game winning shots versus like the Cavs, uh, that shot that, that sealed it versus the jazz in 98, these legendary moments, like that, sh- that, that, uh, legendary throw from Montana to Clark, uh, for the 49ers, like moments that captivate you and bring the best out of someone around you. Like, especially in professional sports, you're constantly captivated by these amazing athletes and then everyone is bringing the best out of all the teammates and everyone around them. And it could go to any aspect. It doesn't have to be sports. It could go to any avenue of life. Um, but this song, I recommend it to anyone who likes music. Again, it's Captivate You by the Marmosets. And they're an interesting band too, because they're a small English band and it's two sets of siblings. I believe there's three uh, McIntyres and two other set of, you know, one other set of siblings. So there's like five total, but you know, it's just, it's composed of uh, two sets of siblings, two separate families, but um, you know, interesting. I, I got to listen to more of the music, but I love this song. How you doing today, Joe? I'm doing for a Tuesday. I'm pretty doing pretty doggone well. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. It's kind of a, uh, you know, it's not too cold out the past couple of days. It's been warm outside in Jersey. Um, Cause we had that couple. You're going to ask me pet peeves later. That's going to be one of them, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. We had a, uh, we had a, you know, a couple of days around Christmas that was like 10 degrees and it was frigging ice cold. And these past couple of days, I haven't even needed a jacket to go outside. Um, but then, you know, to deal with some things like rain and stuff. So you get a little bit warmer, but then it's a little bit rainy. And then there's a little bit of smell outside when it's rainy, a little bit warm after being cold. Uh, there's kind of a weird odor sometimes outside, but uh, I digress. Um, so Joe, what do those lyrics mean to you? I know you don't really know the song, but like, what are those, when I sent you those lyrics this week, um, what did you think? Well, there's a couple of things hit me right away. I, 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 I thought that the lead singer was a real, real cute girl. I really did because she had this, this Celtic look about her, the red hair, the pale, fair skin and a little dimple on the chin. I thought she was really neat. She had a nice voice. The lyrics, that's the side thing, but it's something I noticed. But the, the, the lyrics themselves, the song was catchy and the lyrics themselves. I mean, I, I like this, you know, I'm, I'm going to captivate you type thing. I'm going to bring the best out in you. Like I'm, I'm going to grab a hold of you. I'm not going to let you fail. I'm going to bring the best out in you. Uh, and what was the next line? Yeah, so After it's, bring- uh, and, I, and I will captivate you with everything I've got to bring the best out in you. One strength, one heart is all you one need strength, tonight. Right. So one, one strength, one heart, the idea that, you know, you're working together, you got one strength and one heart to co- accomplish your goal, that type of thing. Yeah, and I like that part, the one strength and one heart. 
and it just came down to tonight, tonight, I just thought it was like, uh, uh, to me, those things that she was talking about doing, like grabbing a hold, not going to let you fail, one heartbeat, the two of us, you know, one as a group, we're, we're, th- we're going to accomplish or whatever it is. I, I was thinking real big, and then it said tonight. And I thought, wow, that's kind of, to me, it's kind of like, it was just puzzling. It was like, what, just tonight? I thought this was a, like a long-term well, proposition. Like, yeah, well, that's what, that's what's great about lyrics. Like, yeah, we can isolate yeah. those lyrics and get rid of the tonight, tonight type. But I think the actual song, besides me, my interpretation of the meanings and what I draw from the song, I think it's almost about like um, um, a singer, singer's relationship and band's relationship with an audience. Like tonight, we're going to captivate you. Oh. And we're going to bring, or we're going to, or the, or the fans are going to bring the best out of them. And like, they're working together. It's not just like the, the band playing for the fans. Okay. And then it's, it's all like tonight, 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 if you hear the song, um, but you know, I digress, but like tonight, tonight, tonight's just like a cool thing that goes with the lyrics. It goes with the chorus and matches the beat of the song. That makes sense. Um, but, mm-hmm. but I'd literally just isolate it and take it out as like, um, I'm going to captivate you with, with everything I got, not just something I got, but everything I got, I'm putting my whole heart and soul into this. Um, and I'm gonna bring the damn best out in, out in you. And I, whenever I hear this song on the treadmill, I'll go from fucking like nine miles per hour up. I'll jump that up to like ten miles per hour and start like really running fast. And just like thinking of all, because usually I'll have like ESPN Sports Center on the screen. I'll be watching highlights of all these amazing plays. Um, but then I'll start drawing from my memory bank of all these legendary sports moments. You know, mm-hmm. like Messi winning his first World Cup is recent. That's on the top of the mind. Um, but anything like phenomenal you see in sports. Um, they're captivating, literally captivating people by their phenomenal talent, you know? Yeah, that's good. That's a good interpretation. Yeah, I, so liked it, I, I yeah. like that song. Um, good song. And one thing I want to quickly mention, uh, I have a book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. It's like a famous series of books. I have one, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Men. Um, and I just picked up a random page yesterday and read uh, uh, one of the little, it's a little, you know, saying, it's a little, it's advice, but then it's like a page or two about like how to like, you know, enact that advice in your life. Um, and one of the things I, I read yesterday was take one hour per day. Um, take one hour per day um, to do, you know, f- if you're busy, you have work, you have, you have to eat, you got to shower, you got to take care of your family, all that stuff. Um, take one hour uh, per day and, and really um, try to do something that makes you happy and try to make less stressful in your life. Um and the guy in the chapter, the chapter, you know, the guy who wrote the book, he talks about like, you know, he'll go to like the gym for an hour and that will be like his therapy. That will be his time to uh, really take the hour out of the day. But every day, if you take one hour out of every day, that's seven hours per week. And then you multiply that by like 52. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of time you could be spent doing things that aren't stressful and that could really lead to a better overall mental makeup and mental health. Yeah. Um, so. What do you think about it, man? I mean, what do you think about just like taking one hour per day and make sure you set that hour aside to do what you want to do? Well, I mean, and you know me, I mean, um, I have a little more, I just, I, I, I dedicate a little more than an hour. I mean, it's called me time. And, um, I've made decisions about lifestyle and about this and that, because I need, you know, you know, you, you go out, you, you make a living, you do this, you do that. Then you have to go to the grocery store then you have to go to cleaners and you have to do it. By the time it's all said and done, the time for you is is very small. Now, if you have to start putting together swing sets and and going here in the soccer games, you know, I, hey, if some people like to do all that, that's fine. But um, it's called me time, Sean, and I like at least like three hours a day of just 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 me time, whatever the hell that means. If it means putting your feet up and watching a ball game, kicking back, 
you know, whatever it means. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, you know, there's books like that, like don't sweat the small stuff does have a lot of cool little insights. And if you just take the time to read, it's only like one or two pages. I recommend it as a coffee table book because there's a lot, there's so much stuff you can apply to your life literally immediately. Um, and we all do. Like, we yeah. all sweat. The, we all sweat that small stuff. I I think I read it by a guy named Carlson. I think it is. I don't know if it's Peterson or Carlson or something like that. Um, don't sweat the small stuff. Um, the original one that he did. It was just, this thing's been around for 25 years, I think. Um, but I remember that book. Um, it's a good one. It's a, along the lines of a Dale Carnegie and so forth and so on. But uh, yeah, there's good advice in there. And we, but we all want the reason he wrote it and the reason why it was so successful is because we all do that. We all sweat small stuff. Yep. So, absolutely. Yep. Um, and I want to take this time to uh, commemorate and remember and acknowledge uh, the life of Barbara Walters. Uh, she was a super famous female journalist. Uh, she was born in 1929 and she just died on December 30th of 2022, right before the year ended. So she almost made it through another, you know, to another new year, but uh, she passed away, but uh, she really was um, quite a remarkable woman and a pioneer in her field. Um, you know, she had to deal with a lot of adversity getting it through the industry um, you know, she was actually the first woman co-anchor for the evening news. Um, and she endured the scorn of her male counterparts. And this was like in the set, you know, the sixties and seventies. And when she got a, a bigger role, um, uh, on one of those shows, um, they told her, I think it was the today show, uh, that she was not allowed to ask direct questions to onset guests until her male co-host asked three of his own. So she was already like, kind of like people were already putting her in a box and, limiting her because she was a woman um but her story is interesting like her dad was around with a lot of celebrities so when she was younger she was she like you know brushed shoulders and interacted with a lot of like high profile stars including like howard hughes and uh people like that so when she you know it was almost like she was born for it because once she got into like the spotlight in terms of being a famous journalist and interviewing all these high level celebrities um she wasn't intimidated at all they were just like normal people to her um but she really was special though i mean she uh when she started out you know men did the hiring and men decided what to do on air they delivered the news and it wasn't normal for a female to try to get in the news um but uh she really took on gritty topics and she got she was always like the first person to interview like something there was like, a big controversy like monica Lewinsky or something like that she was always like the first person to interview them um and she always like she made it a point to like write a lot of handwritten notes to all these celebrities and like really like personal notes. So she kept in like good graces with them. So they would always accept to be on because she was she was on 2020 for years. She was on starting in 1979. She was on 2020, and that show was a great show and on forever. Um uh, you know, and then she was on um uh she started the view in 1997. So she became more of a person a daytime personality where people only knew her from like you know, watching her on 2020. Um and Joe, you're she was on 60 minutes, right? She was on 60 Minutes for a long, long, long yeah, time. So she, she was on 2020 and 60 Minutes, these two big time like news shows. Um, but uh it was she's just a pioneer. Like in 1971, she took over a show called For Women Only, and then she changed the name immediately for to not for women only. Um so she was always she was always like doing little things to like that. You look back at it, she was like, she really was a pioneer. Um, she was you know, 1976, ABC hired her as the first female co-anchor 
of a network evening news program. And she was paid $1 million a year in 1976, $1 million a year for a female uh, co-anchor. She was the first female co-anchor. Um, in 76, so, that was big money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and then when she interviewed Monica Lewinsky in 1999, it drew about 50 million uh, viewers. Yeah. Um, but the thing about her, which I read in the New York Times article commemorating her, is that they said uh, she rattled a lot of cages before women were even allowed into the zoo. You know what I'm saying? They weren't even yeah. allowed into the zoo, and she was rattling cages. Um, and her interviewing style was a combination of charm and ferocity. Um, it set her apart from like people like Walter Cronkite and David Brinkley when they were like ruling news television. Um, but there's just a lot of stuff that I learned in this New York Times article that really just like, you know, showed me like, cause I knew she was cool and I know she was like good at her job. And I just remember her when I was growing up, she was just like this old lady who was always like interviewing people, but she was very direct with her questions and kind of like a little intimidating at times. If you look at her body language and how direct she was with some of these questions, um, but she said uh, she she instructed one of her advices advice for female reporters was they should do their job and don't be pleasant. Don't be fun. Just be a journalist. And that really sums it up. You know what I mean? Be a journalist because um, she, she, you know, she dealt with all the adversity as a woman to her for her to make it to where she did. Uh, they get paid one million dollars a year in 1976 and all that stuff. So I'm just super impressed. You know, when people die, you kind of think, like, you know, let me read about their obituary. Let me read a little bit, bit about them. And then you realize there's some really special people out there and they were, they're pioneers in their field for a reason. Um, so what was your, like, what's your, what was your overall impression of Barbara Walters, Joe? My overall impression of Barbara Walters is everything you said. Plus, um, you know, they say that public speaking is, is a big fear and out of it, the number one fear and but public speaking for a lot of folks is a big fear. Now imagine, uh, a woman trying to break into this new career and the new career required public speaking a, B, all the things that are stacked against you now, plus the fact that she had a, a mild speech impediment. And that, to me, the fact that she overcame that, all those things, plus over, overcoming the speech impediment was a mild speech impediment, but nevertheless, it was there. I mean, Saturday Night Live used to spoof a character, you know, and so forth about her. And, and she was a good sport enough to laugh it off. And uh, Gilda Radner was Gilda Radner was the person on Saturday Night Live that did that. You know, her, you know, played her. And she after Gilda Radner, pa- Radner passed away, she contacted the family and how much, you know, she enjoyed that uh, that Saturday Night Live program and so forth. And she held she held no, you know, no uh, animosity or anything like that. She was a good sport. But just it's just one of those things that all the things you said required so much strength to break into a new field and at that time to break into i mean we've all seen the show mad men okay and we've all seen what was permissible at that time quote unquote which today you know none of that stuff would fly it's 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 unconscionable a lot of that the way women were treated so she's coming up during a time just about right after that when women were weren't treated much better than on that show okay and she's going against all those odds and while battling a speech impediment when your job is to speak publicly i think she is just like the epitome the epitome of um fortitude tenacity you name it i just think she was she's she's tremendous she was yeah tremendous. and when when she got that that uh, co-anchor role in 1976 from abc um, because ABC lured her from her NBC in 1976, 
she said even back then a lot of the stagehands were very like cold and they wouldn't you know a lot of people wouldn't interact with her on the set so ah. she had to rely on her knowledge of the new york yankees just to con- just to convince them to talk to her you know she was always you know she had to figure out these little ways to get people to warm up to her because i guess woman on the set of news wasn't like a, a really um a common thing like you know especially like big time news i mean but for you're older than me though but like when you think about it when you were like in the seventies and the set, when did you start seeing more and more female like news anchors? Do you remember? Well, I'm gonna have to think. Let me think. So I'm, I'm born. I'm, I'm in a seven. I'm seventy, seventy four. I'm about ten years old. So, um, I think late seventies, maybe late seventies. So it's, it's, it's that sounds right about the time because she got nineteen seventy six. That's when she became the first female co anchor. Um, yeah, she probably like she probably paved the way for a lot of other females once they saw how good she was. Oh, uh, yeah, but do you remember, like, how about the 80s though? Did you start seeing a little bit more females in the news? Did you pay attention to that stuff? You, you did, you did, you did locally and, and nationally. You did, you, you that's that's late 70s, early 80s, but without her, that that those dates could have been prolonged quite a bit, you know, without her. Yeah, and she actually wrote a book. I actually kind of want to check it out. She wrote she wrote an autobiography in 1970. Um, I guess she wasn't that young then. I guess she was about 40 years old. But the, for her to write an autobiography at 40, that's interesting. But it's called How to Talk with Practically Anybody About Practically Anything. And uh, that, that sums it up. You know, she could just talk to anybody, really. She talked yeah. to, like, heads of state, famous celebrities, She's- criminal creep. Criminal creepy yeah. people like that, you know, that type of everybody. So. She interviewed, Sean, she interviewed every president since, oh, I think Carter. I mean, she interviewed. Did, did you know, did she, did she interview Trump? She did, but not when he was president. The same thing with Biden. Okay. She interviewed Joe Biden, but not when he was president. But all the other presidents, she interviewed them while they were in office. Since, I think since, um, since Jimmy Carter. So that's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really think it's interesting because not, you don't have to grow up around celebrities not to be intimidated by them because we all know that there's people and they happen to be in the spotlight or they have a special talent that put them there. Um, they're not like, you know, anything different than us. They just have a different status and they have star qualities that makes them stars and uh, puts them on a pedestal in a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of ways because they're, they're constantly seen by the public. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think her growing up around celebrities and stuff really uh, kind of helped her out. It was part of her journey because um, she was, you know, super comfortable talking to anybody. So I just wanted to talk about her and uh, rest in peace, Barbara. Um, but I, Joe, no, Joe, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the Pope just died. The former yes, Pope. Yes, I just wanted to. And, and again, our, our show is it's it's not necessarily it really isn't a religious show or anything like that. And nor uh, you or I are, you know, nor are we, um, you know, diehard Catholics. However. That being said, Joseph Aloysius Ratzinger, uh, he was died the other day, uh, died uh, 1231, okay, December 31st, 934 a.m., uh, Rome time, 95 years of age. He was the Pope from 2005 to 2013. And you know what? The guy said, I'm feeling tired. I, I feel like I'm not able to do all the things required of me, so I'm going to step down. He's the first pope in history to step down, and in 2013, he stepped down, and, and that's fine. Um, like I said, it was the other day, and um, I just wanted to say his last words were, Lord, I love you. And I think that's beautiful. The man dedicated his life 
to Jesus Christ. He dedicated his life to helping people. And I'm sure he made his mistakes along the way. I'm sure he had his oversights along the way. You know, hell, we're, we're human. But I just wanted to mention him. Viva la Papa. That's all. Absolutely. Rest in peace, Pope. Yep. Um, so today's actor that we're going to focus on, I think it's right in our wheelhouse, actually. Uh, Brendan, <laughs> Brendan Frazier. I almost said, I almost said Brendan wheelhouse. Cause I just said, wheelhouse. <laughs> um, so Brendan you're right Frazier, though. He is. Yeah. Yeah. So he's an American Canadian actor. Um, the thing about him is like, he's like, you know, he was supposed to be like this, he was on his way to becoming like a superstar. And then it was like abruptly, like, just like kind of stopped. Like he didn't, you didn't see him around in anything for a while, but there's reasons for that. Right. He had like personal issues. Uh, he had a lot of injuries on sets, performing his own stunts, where he had to have like knee replacement surgery. Um, his mom died uh, in two thousand. I know this. This is the weird thing about this. The story to me is uh, he was born in nineteen sixty eight, but apparently he was sexually assaulted um, uh, by this guy named Philip Burke. He was the president of Hollywood Foreign Press Association, um, but that happened uh, around two thousand three. So by my math. Uh, 78, 88, 98, 35, he's like 35 years old. He was sexually assaulted. And that's kind of rare to hear. Like how could a 35 year old man let someone else sexually assault them? Um, so that's a weird story, but it's something he had to deal with. Right. So, you know, he was sexually assaulted at some point in some capacity, some guy made him feel super uncomfortable and maybe touched him and did some weird things that really affected him personally. His mom died. He dealt with injuries. He dealt with the divorce. So there's reasons why he wasn't, um, necessarily, um, still in the spotlight, you know, but, um, you know, he had his demons that he had to battle on personal issues and whatever, but, uh, you know, he's an American Canadian actor. Um, I started the first time I really saw him, I believe was in Sino man in Sino man. Did you see that Joe? Was that what that Paulie Shore? Yeah. We're yeah. Like, you know, Way back. Yeah. Like, yeah. I did see it. Man, it was like frozen. He finds him. Like he's like frozen. He's like, he's big. He's digging in the backyard or something like that. And he finds him. And then like, you yeah. start teaching the caveman how to be like a modern human being. Like that movie is a classic. Yeah. Long time ago. I, I can't tell you what it was. I can't tell you too much about it, but I do remember the title. I remember Paulie Shore and him in it. I remember it was, it was okay. It wasn't bad. Yeah. And one thing about, I'll say about Encino man, I had a roommate in Villanova named Scott and I guess he had Encino man on DVD. And like, we both lived, we lived together in like these apartments junior year at Nova and uh, Scott moved out and uh, he left the Encino man DVD <laughs> and um, I went home and I just took it. I guess I had, I was not going to leave it there. You know what I mean? So I still have that Encino man DVD. It's Scott. So Scott, if you ever listen to the show, I have your Encino <laughs> man DVD, bro. Um, but I digress. But uh, yeah. So, you know, he's, I think he's an awesome actor. He's got so much talent. And for me, um, his qualities are just like, you know, being energetic and being super believable and having like personality of the character and playing it to a T. Cause like you should have seen him in Encino man, the way he was playing that like caveman um, and like, you know, the way he couldn't really speak at first, like he did a great job with that. But another movie that really stands out to me, and this is also in my top five is uh school ties. Did you see school ties? That's the one that I remember him in the most. That to me is the high watermark for him to me. Uh, school, that, that, yes. school ties yeah. was a frigging, that was a great movie. I thought tremendous movie. And I loved his uh, character Matt, standing Matt out there Damon. in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, Matt Damon's in that. And he obviously he, he's, he goes to an all boys like prep school. It's 1959. He's a star quarterback. They recruited him to play football. And, uh, you know, even Chris O'Donnell's in that movie too. You know, you got Chris O'Donnell, Frazier and Matt Damon. So you got a decent uh, cast, even Cole Hauser and Ben Affleck. Wow. Yeah. There's some gems in there, but um, you know, he, he's a, he's a Jewish um, 
star quarterback and he has to hide that he's Jewish when he goes to this, this prep academy because most people there are Catholic. Um, and then you'll see the movie if you watch it, if anyone hears this podcast and they want to check it out. But anyway, he has to hide that he's being Jewish. And then eventually, obviously, it's found out that he's Jewish and he has to deal with some real controversy and real issues. And, you know, there's a cheating scandal and all this stuff happens. And he really shows his character when that happens. Um, but I really enjoyed that movie for sure. Um, so that's in my top five. Um, so I'll just do my top five, you know, while, while we're talking about Frasier. Sure. Um, I think number one is the one I just saw recently, which I talked about a couple episodes ago called The Whale. The whale, he plays an extremely obese, uh, huge guy. And he wasn't always that fat, but like he had some, con- he had some deaths in his life and things that happened where he started like eating, eating a ton and he couldn't even leave his apartment. And I think he's going to win actor, best actor for Academy Awards next year, for sure. I don't know if it's going to win best picture, but probably best actor. Absolutely. Uh, I think he deserves it. Cause I, again, I've, I have the AMC Stubbs movie subscription. So I see like everything, every, literally everything that comes in the theaters that's relevant. I'm seeing that. Um, so I think the whale is number one for me. I think number two, ah, oh man, I'm, I'm having a tough time with number two. I'm between, he was in a show called the affair. He didn't have a huge role, but I thought the affair was an awesome show. It was on Showtime. Um, it was just a very like well-written, like dramatic about like a, you know, a, a, a serious magic, uh, marriage. And then there's an, there's an affair. Um, and I don't remember his role that much. But like I said, I don't really go off like how big a role the actor has in the movie or the show. I go off like the quality of like the actual material and the subject matter. And so I think I'm going to go with the whale at number one, the affair at number two. I think school ties at three. Uh, because school ties is a movie that really stays with you, especially if you're like not anti-Semitic and you really, you know, care for, you know, the Jewish people and things like that. And you see what it was like in 1959 for this, this fellow. Um, so I think school ties at three. Then I think I'm going to go crash at four. Joe, did you ever see crash? I didn't. And oh, I'm, I'm going to at it's some like, point. Yeah. You, you gotta watch crash. Cause it's like a bunch of like stories like intertwined and they all, they're all connected somehow. All these characters are connected somehow. Yeah. Um, it's from 2004. Basically it's about Los Angeles citizens with a vastly different, different lives, separate lives. They collide. It's basically interweaving stories of race, loss, and redemption. So the, t- the subjects are really heavy. You got Don Cheadle in that movie. You got Sandra Bullock. Um, you got Thandewe Newton. Um, you know, Brendan Fraser was in there at some point. You got Matt Dillon. You know, you got you got different characters, but they all it's all like separate stories, but you see uh they all intertwine. So I think I'm gonna put that at four. Um and then I think five's tough. Um he was in you ever see Airheads, Joe? No. They, like they they take they hijack a radio station. Adam Sandler's in it too. No. So I like, you know, Ray, Airheads is a good movie. Uh, then he's in a movie called The Scout where he's like a famous like baseball pitcher. Um, you, did you see The Scout? The Scout? I can't say that I did. Can't say that yeah, I did. You, you I, mean, I, I, I could say there's, oh, yeah, it was great. No, but I, I, I can't say that I did. But he, this dude. Albert, Albert, Brook, Albert Brooks is in it. Because okay. a lot of these movies, are, a lot of these movies are really old. Like a lot of these, because oh. his career really got going. And like basically, he made his mark because he went to like acting school, the Cornish acting school. So he really was like a classically trained actor. But then like he was gonna get like his master's in acting from like SMU. But then he like ended up in Hollywood. That's when he started getting roles. Well, let me but ask a you a couple. Early, it started around like 1992. So you know what I mean? Like the Scout School Ties. Was he in the Mummy movies? Because I think he was in the Mummy movies. Yeah, the, mum, the Mummies were around. He's all, yeah, he's in the Mummies, but the Mummies don't even make my top five. They're a cool friends. Well, I was, when I was working with kids, I used to take them to movies, and certain you can only see certain movies. And I think, you know, 
Uh, the kids love the mummy movies, and I think I remember him from there. I also want to ask you this. Was he in a movie called Pleasantville? Something Didn't tells he, me. We just talked about Pleasantville last night. We talked about Pleasantville, and I, it seems to me that he was one of the fathers in that movie, unless we're someone that looks a lot like him. Uh, I don't think so. I'm almost positive okay. he wasn't. Funny okay. part about Pleasantville, Paul Walker, you remember Paul Walker who died? He was in the Fast and Furious movies. Paul Walker was actually in Pleasantville. But um, no, he, I don't think Brendan Fraser was in Pleasantville. He's not even listed in like okay. the It might be a guy that looked, because a couple Toby, actors looked like him. It was, it was Jeff Daniel. Toby Maguire was in it. Jeff Daniels was in it. William Macy was in it. Um, so I don't know. I don't think he was in Pleasantville. Okay, but, um, that's okay. But that's why but, we do um, this. Exactly. It's been around a so long, long, long my, time. I have. I think there's a tie for fifth place on my top five. Um, you know, Airheads is up there. Uh, the Scout's up there. I got. I got to rewatch the Scout because the Scout. You know, Albert Brooks in that movie. And Albert Brooks is a baseball scout. Discovers like a really good pitcher, but he's troubled. Um, and then he was in a movie called Bedazzled. That I actually saw in movies in the movies. Um, and Bedazzled was actually like a really cool movie. Um. That was with uh, Elizabeth Hurley, that really attractive English actress. Now I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. She, she plays, was in she Austin plays, Powers. She yeah. The, yeah, she plays the devil in it. Um, it's basically about I, um, I, I, he's a hopeless dweeb. <laughs> he's granted seven wishes by the devil, seven <laughs> wishes by the devil um, to snare. He wants the girl of his dreams. Um, so he gets seven wishes and he's supposed to get the girl of his dreams. And basically, you know, it's one of those classic deals. You exchange all these great things on earth and all these wishes for your soul. The devil takes your soul. Um, and, you know, the devil in this movie happened to be a female. We were talking about Barbara Walters, you know, being a female pioneer. In this movie, they made the devil a female, which I thought that was cool. Because if you see how Elizabeth Hurley plays the devil in this movie, you're like, wow, she really is believable and kind of evil and twisted. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, so uh, he was in a lot of fun movies in the 90s. Like all the movies he was in were like hit after hit and really fun and interesting and and then he just had a, a period, like I, I explained earlier when I talked about him, was just like, you know, he had the personal issues, the sexual assault, the, the divorce, his mom died, you know, the serious injuries from performing his own stunt, stunts, I think probably especially in The Mummy. Because I remember him like running and jumping all over the place in The Mummy, you know, if, I'm, if I remember that correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's my, my top five um, leads off the whale, the affair, crash. And then, you know, four and five are up in the air. It's a tie between Bedazzled, The Scout, Airheads, School Ties, and Sino Man. Ah, did I, I don't know. I think it's Man might be three. I don't know. I'm having a tough time. The top five is tough for me because all these guys are actors and well, actresses. They're certainly a good movies. choice to fit our yeah, criteria. So do you have anything that stands out to you about Frazier? Like, do you have anything like uh, that you remember specifically about him or, you know, anything like that? You know, I just remember that was it school ties. I remember that scene where he's standing out in the rain. He's saying any of you son of bitches want a piece of this come on out you know in the rain i remain and i'm paraphrasing whatever he said but he said it in such a way and you felt for him you felt for him you really did you and that you know i mean i'm not going to go on a long tangent but that 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 that's what and i i talk to kids about this kind of thing all the time that you know uh you know it's such a shame. It's so heartbreaking that they love this guy. And all of a sudden they found that he was, he was Jewish. He was a little different than they were. And they turned on him 
And I think just because of that, it's, it's heartbreaking. It really is. And that kind of stuff really did happen. And I'm thankful that in this day and age, it's happening less and less, but it's still a little bit. But just for that reason, now what's he feel like? You know what I mean? And what's it feel like to have to hide your true identity that you're, you're, you're Jewish and it's, it's, it's all, you know, I was just, I was talking to some folks today about multiculturalism and, and how lucky we are in this country. I love it. You know, I, I love, you know, yeah, I I oh, yeah. love so, the fact that we're we're um, we're uh, eclectic, and I like the fact that uh, you know I learned about sweet potato pie from some African American friends that I have. I learned about uh, um, pastelas and plantains and red beans and rice from some people I knew who that were Latinos. I just some of my best experiences have been eclectic like that, and I just think that um, you know. It's a good thing, and I just felt sad for that character, and I just remember him standing out in the rain and saying, "You know, uh, you know, come on, you, you know, come on, let's let's have it." And none of them came out, <laughs> but uh, it was it was that's what I remember most about him. Like I said, that was my high water mark for him, but it's an excellent choice, Sean, because this is the kind of cat we want to shine the light on, you know. That's the kind of yeah, cat. Yeah, so. he, seems, he seems like a good dude. Like I've seen him on some late night shows. He was on Kimmel recently. I got to finish watching that interview on Kimmel. Um, you know, I got my DVR, my YouTube TV. Um, right now, I think Kimmel's the only late night show that I actually like have on to record. And I know you watch Jimmy Kimmel live too. I mean, um, you enjoy not you know, Jimmy Kimmel's not our actor today. We're spotlighting him. Maybe you know, maybe we'll do like late night hosts. We'll do the history of late night hosts and these personalities in the future. We'll trade. We'll switch it up from actor a couple episodes if, if you wanted to do that. But um, yeah, I mean, he was on Jimmy Kimmel Live recently because he was in The Whale, so I'm sure he was on all the other ones. I mean, I like the other ones too. Like, I think I like um, probably late night shows. My second favorite is probably Fallon, Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Conan used to be my number my number one guy. Conan was my guy, but then the whole the whole thing where he took over for Jay Leno, and then uh, and then like Jay Leno wanted his job back because the ten o'clock slot wasn't working, so they kind of like screwed Conan out of his fucking job where he finally got the eleven thirty slot. So then Conan had to go to TBS. But I've also seen Conan in person. I've seen, you know, I saw Conan when he was in New York City. Um, I think when he was, you know, backing up Jay Leno when he was like the twelve thirty slot. But anyway, I digress because we're not, this is all not about late night TV. But um, all right, but you watch, but you do watch Jimmy Kimmel Live, right? I saw him on Jimmy Kimmel Live, but last week one night. Okay, so you saw Frazier, and he, he seems like two a weeks good ago, dude, rather. Right? Yeah, yeah, seemed like a real good dude. Yeah, and yeah. he was talking about this movie, and um, I just I couldn't get over. I didn't even get the name when Jimmy introduced the name. Then when I, when he walked out, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, it not only hit me who he was, it hit me why he was there because of that whale movie, but it also hit me that boy, he really has aged. You know, he really does look like he has aged quite a bit since yeah. you know since like school ties or whatever. And I guess some people show age different than others. You know, that's all. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to, you know. Highlight uh, Frazier, Brendan Frazier. Shout out to Brendan Frazier. Um, and for this episode, Joe, Snapple Fact, we're doing Snapple Fact number 989. And wait for this one. To make one pound of honey, a honeybee must tap about two million flowers. Wow. So to make one pound of honey, think about this. One pound of honey, which is not that much, because honey's kind of thick and stuff, you know? Right. You need, honey taps two, two, two million flowers. Um, and I think bees like the flowers. Uh, because they feed on the nectar and the pollen, which everyone learns this growing up in school, you know. Right. Um, because the nectar, nectar is used as food and energy source, and it get it goes, you know, gets them to and from their homes. 
Um, and the pollen they pick up from the flowers, they use to feed their larvae, the baby bees in the hive. And then basically it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. The bees need the flowers and the flowers need the bees. Um, so the honey starts off as a flower nectar collected by bees. And then it gets broken down into simple sugars, which is stored inside the honeycomb. Um, and the thing about the honeycomb, it's, um, it's a, there's a constant uh, fanning of the bees' wings and it causes evaporation and then it creates a sweet liquid honey. So nature always amazes me. And this one really like, I'm, I'm like, wow, you know, bees and honey, this is cool. Um, so what do you think about that, man? What do you, what do you know about bees and honey, man? <laughs> I don't know all the, the, the logistics of the bee, the bee and the way it, it does its thing and so forth. I didn't know it had to tap that many. I mean, if you just look at what the bee does and it goes back to the hive and everybody knows what they're supposed to do and the queen's in charge. And it's just, if you, if you just zero in on that, just zero in on something like that, right? How in the world can anyone say that everything that's going on around us is just random and it's not, you know, from a, from a, a supreme, some kind of a supreme intelligence. I mean, cause who, who could, who could design that? You know, for that, for the whole thing, the flower yeah, to give this. People always say they're always like when they're arguing that arguments for God and stuff. They're always like, "Well, we're just utilizing the resources that Earth has given us." But then I'm like, "Well, you know, where the resources come from, right?" And it's like, who who's designing these bees to be so intelligent? Where the bees and the flowers are working so the bees need the flowers and the flowers need the bees for them to survive, pretty much. Um, all these symbiotic relationships which exist in society for survival. I don't know. It's just the fact that there's just resource, not that we're going to talk about deep thoughts again. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it's just amazing how uh, there's so many resources and all these things work together and they rely on each other to create, you know, to be productive and to survive, you know? And and not only that, you got me messing around craving honey right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> what, do you, what do you usually, what do you usually put honey on? Like what's your go-to with honey? Do you put honey on fried chicken, on biscuits? What do you... Well, I usually just put it like a spoonful in coffee or a spoonful in oatmeal or something like that. Or you could take a piece of peanut butter bread and then put it on there too instead of jelly. It's nice there. When you get the craving, boy, you you dump dunk it on anything. I'm allowed to dunk yeah, a piece you know of bologna. Really good on. You want to hear something that's really good on? That's a really popular thing in the pizza community, especially if people make their own pizza and they have their own pizza ovens. You put on hot. You make hot honey pizza. You put you put honey on top of the like hot little bit of spicy honey, not that spicy, but you put it on top of pizza. And oh my god, the, the combination of you would think that honey doesn't go with pizza, but honey on pizza is very good. Yeah, I I don't know if I would it's go sound, there with I know, pizza. I, thinking, I like I the pepperoni and sausage. You know what I mean? I like the meat, but it sound, no, it sound it sounds a little bit far fetched. But I'm telling you, next time you get pizza, oh yeah, little, just, if it's you know, honey, cut, you know, Put it on a little piece and then try it. And then I want to hear, I want to, on this podcast, I want to hear Joe Thurman's reaction to the honey on pizza. We need that. Okay. I can't give it to you like next week or anything, but at some point you can come yeah. back to it and I'll do it. Yeah. Because uh, I don't even buy it every week, but just you mentioning that it's like, damn, I could see a big spoonful of honey drizzled on some peanut butter bread or, yeah. you know, maybe a piece of pound cake or something. I don't know, the but cool you got to be messing around like wanting honey right now. Yeah, and a, a lot of health yeah. stores they sell straws, like these straws that are like closed on both ends, and they're filled with honey. They're called honey straws. They sell them for pretty cheap. They're like five or ten cents in a lot of health stores. They're usually right. in like health food stores. Um, and then basically you just like rip off like the top of the honey the honey straw, 
And then you just like suck down the honey. It's pretty cool. It's the honey. What I didn't know about honey, Sean, is that it's extremely caloric. So it would pay you. Exactly. Yeah. It's not healthy. Well, everything is relative. Now, if you were to keep some honey in your vehicle, and you ever see these shows where these people get stranded, they go off a side road and there's a blizzard or something happens and they're stranded. And, you know, you got to have water first. Always keep a case of water in your vehicle. But without, you know, peanut butter is a good source of calories. You do, you could survive on like a spoonful and a half of peanut butter every day. You could survive on a teaspoonful of honey every day because it's so caloric. So it's not the most optimum food, but it, it, there's calories there. It will keep you alive. You know, it's just because it's extremely caloric. Now, if you use it every day, you're liable to look like roly poly or whatever. But, um, I know little old ladies use it in their tea every day. It doesn't hurt them. You know, little skinny old ladies. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I drink, I drink was... like, I drink about two uh, cups of uh, uh, green tea per day. I believe in it. The hot liquid combined with lemon. So I put, you know, I've done honey in a tea before, but again, like you said, it's too many calories. The thing I love about having my green tea is there's like no calories. I'm basically just, you know, putting the green tea in the packet of the green tea in there. And then uh, I'm just putting a little lemon juice in. I'm squeezing a little bit, cutting up lemons and squeezing the lemon into the tea. Um, it's good for digestion. It's good for overall health. Because ever since I started doing, I started doing that drinking a lot of the hot liquids and tea around, you know, last year when I when I wanted to uh, lose all that weight, I wanted to drink. You know, I was thinking about how to how to stimulate weight loss, and like they said, caffeine and green tea especially. Um, right. So I started drinking my green tea in the morning and at night, and um, you know, just put a little lemon in there. But you know, hot liquids is very, especially hot liquids with lemon in it. Is very healthy for your digestion and your stomach. And, and another reason I wish I had some now, I'd make some tea because I, I don't know if it's if it's noticeable or not, but I, I have a vicious cold going on. I'm sorry for the sniffling for anybody that's, you know, honestly, I could, I haven't even, you're doing a good, you're a professional. Okay. You had that call, you had that cough button. I do have really the cough utilizing. button I and I've been using it. I haven't heard, <laughs> I haven't heard any extraneous noises from Joe Thurman this whole episode. Oh, I'm glad. Thank God for this cough button, buddy. <laughs> but thank you. Yeah. What um, else is on the docket? Uh, so quickly, uh, my new year's resolution really quick, uh, last year, you know, I talked about last year, how I wanted to lose weight. It's similar this year. My main new year's resolution is to make this podcast as, as great as possibly as possible. I want Joe and I to really have this podcast operating like a fucking Ferrari. Um, I want it to be smooth. I want our voices to be heard clearly. I want our opinions to be strong. Uh, I want us to put everything to, to captivate people. That sounds arrogant, but yeah, we're not going to captivate people. We're just two guys talking, but right. you know, patience, I mean. patience but, um, is a virtue. I want our podcast to really excel, um, to do well. Um, and, but also secondary, I want to, I want to, you know, for my vanity purposes, I want to turn my little belly fat into a six pack. So if I can turn my little belly fat into some abs, especially at my age, I'm 36, uh, I'll be happy. So having a successful podcast and possibly some abs, um, I'd be in a good state of mind. You know what I mean? But I also, yeah, there's a lot of other blessings I want in life too, for my family and things like that. I want them to do well, but for personally, I want the podcast to, to excel and succeed and to thrive. And I want to, I want to get those abs. Um, you know, and I want health and happiness for my family. Well, how about you, Joe? Do you have anything on the top of the mind? Uh, I, you know, I, I haven't, I, I have not exercised in like four months since like mid August, Mid-August, I went on vacation and I stopped exercising. A couple I stopped weeks ago, a lot. You, said you were running up, you were running up, up and down the stairs in your apartment. You're telling me though, you're doing something, you're putting some work. I may have told you a couple of weeks ago that that's what I used to do back, you know, a couple months back, but I have not done any 
Uh, maybe I did a day or two, Sean, like to try it, but I, I, I yeah, haven't you, done. You, dude, you sent, you sent me a voice note and you were, you were severely out of breath and you're like, oh man, I'm just running up these okay. fucking stairs. You know like, what? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I, if I do remember that too. Okay. So there, there have been a day, there's been a day here and there along the last four months when I tried to get back into it. And I think I was on the treadmill a couple of times, but I haven't been into that groove. You know what I mean? And I want to start the, my New Year's resolution is to start getting back. If I can, if I can get one to two days, two days would be great. And one day would be, I know three days a week. And I, hey, listen, I'm being realistic. Um, two days a week for me would be tremendous. And, but even one to keep your body, to keep my body, to keep my metabolism in that rhythm and that feeling of just sweat. Cause I sweat just to really get those pores open and get everything flowing out. There's nothing like that feeling. And then the endorphins and everything. So I want to do that. Yeah. Um, and I just, uh, uh, I don't know if it's anything I'm going to do, but, uh, well, just to, uh, um, keep working hard, uh, in my new endeavors. Uh, and, and this is one of them. This is one of a few, but to keep working hard at it and enjoy the ride and, but also to have patience. You know, we want it, we want it, we want this thing to kick ass. Yes, we do, but we enjoy the daylights out of doing it and, uh, it's going to happen. It's, you know, you, you just, like I tell you all the time, patience is a virtue. Rome wasn't built in a day and what will be, will be. Um, but yes, um, to keep moving forward with it. Just as long as the arrow keeps pointing up, we'll be happy. That's it. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing. Um, yep. So our current event this week is uh, another New York Times article. It's called US Pour- United States U.S. Pours Money into Chips, But Even Soaring Spending Has Limits. Basically, it's about the kind of correlating and paralleling um, the Cold War arms race where like U.S. and Russia were like really like adversaries. Um, they're trying to like, you know, develop as much like war tools and technology to like to take over the world pretty much or just compete in the world with the world powers um, and not be left in the dust when other countries are advancing, improving their economy and everything and their overall infrastructure. Um, so basically, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of people don't know about this. There's a technology cold war with China right now um, where like China's producing about, I think, at least 30 percent of the world's chips, the chips that are in computers and processors and memory chips that power computers um, televisions, uh, video game systems, all sorts of stuff. And these chips are very important cars. Cause last year I went to buy a car and there's like, they, everyone was saying there's a chip shortage and there are cars were at like astronomical prices. So the chips, that was my first real thought process about it. Like what, what's going on with these chips? Like what the hell is going on? Not potato chips, like these chips. Um, and they can't even produce these cars in time because they need more of these chips. So basically what us is doing uh, they've pledged $200 billion, $200 billion for chip manufacturing projects. It started around early 2020. Um, and they're basically trying to uh, compete with like the world, basically China. Um, so we can, we can have domestic, we could have our chips uh, produced domestically. It really has a lot of global implications, especially with geopolitics and global techn- tech- technology. Um, they don't want, they don't want China to like become the only advanced power with chips. Um, so, you know, Silicon Valley plays their part, you know, they, they're very innovative and they, they, they develop a lot of ideas and devices for computing devices like smartphones and virtual reality and all that sorts of stuff. But, um, you know, like I said, chips are an essential part of modern life. They're in everything. They're in kitchen appliances, they're in military gear, they're in toys. And it's essential for the America to produce these chips and not because if we ever have an issue where these countries start putting a lot of taxes, um, 
uh, on like domestic uh, importing and exporting and whatnot. And we can't get these chips and we can't get our products and we can't get the things that we need. Um, we'll be, you know, we'll be like, you know, really falling behind because technology is always advancing. Um, so basically the money is supposed to be spent in 16 States from Texas to New York. There's going to be 23 new chip factories. There's going to be nine expanding nine plants. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's pretty exciting. Um, there's a, there's a chips act. I believe it's called the chips act where they d- dedicated a, a couple, you know, millions and billions of dollars to make these chips and make these uh, things happen, but it's all about manpower too. Like, cause there's not a lot of college students. They need a lot of engineers and smart people to really make these chips. Um, and uh, we don't have enough of those people who are going to be working on in those industries. So we're going to have to get some like work visas extended and some permanent visas to have some immigrants over here to help us produce these chips. Um, but the Biden administration is dangling at least 76 billion in grants, tax credits and other subsidies to encourage domestic chip production. Um, and I think it's just very important. So this, you know, it sounds like, oh, what do we care about chips? But, you know, think about our country because technology is so essential in society. Um, I think the CHIPS Act is great, you know, pledging a Congress approving $76 billion in subsidies. Because um, by, t- by 2025, the factories in Taiwan, uh, they're going to be producing these things called two nanometer chips. And we're going to have a tough time competing with that because we could barely produce four nanometer chips here. Um, and our domestic factories, we're only producing about 4% of the world's memory chips. Um, but then there's going to be all these new jobs created, right? There's going to be a bonanza of jobs as long as these students, because now when the students go to college, they have more of an, an, uh, uh, a goal in mind to really like, you know, I can, I can, I can become an engineer. I can, I can work in chip factories and really, because there's going to be over 40,000 new roles in these factories. Uh, but again, the talent shortages are biggest challenge right now. We don't, we need more talent because um, people are always complaining. There's too many overpopulation. There's too many students and where are all the jobs? I mean, there's right here, there's a perfect industry to get, to get into if you're a young, young person trying to, to really start a career, you know, try to, try to work in some of these chip factories and plants and whatever role you can get. Um, so, you know, I think it's exciting. Um, I know Joe, it doesn't really knock your socks off when you hear about this, but you know, right. what do you think about this stuff? The, the, uh, think about, I, the, I think agree about with the cold, you. The cold, the cold war back in the day, the arms race between us and Russia. Now it's us versus China. And uh, this chips race is very important, you know? Well, yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said, and I think it's a great thing. I just think that, um, unfortunately, legislators legislators make it possible for big business to analyze this thing and to say, geez, I can open up a plant in Albuquerque and I can pay my workers $17 an hour, which is not a whole lot of money. I can pay them $17 an hour to do this, to make these microchips, or I can go over to Taiwan or somewhere else and I can pay some 12 year old kid, uh, $1.70 a week. And man, oh man, am I going to make more money? I'm kind of dicking over my country by doing that in the long run, but, um, I can make more money. And really, after all, it's about me and it? it's about me making money in it. And the legislators say, show enough. Yeah, but think about what if, what good if old boy, countries... you go right down there and do that. Yeah. What if, <laughs> what if these countries start, uh, you know, putting embargoes, like really putting heavy embargoes and heavy, like, you know, taxes on, on the importing of these chips. And like, we're like, you know, cause we are, obviously they see the writing on the wall. Um, it's essential. Like, yes, you're right. A lot, a lot of, there's a lot of outsourcing and we rely on a lot of other countries and I'm glad the world works together and we're able to get products from other countries. I'm glad that we have products, not just only made in America. I mean, I'm a big fan of made in America stuff, but a lot of other products disappear. Cause I, I mean, I drive a Honda now 
and I'm pretty sure everyone who's had a Honda always, they always say like, Oh, it's the best car lasts forever. Or a lot of American cars. You don't really say that. I mean, yeah, it's about taking care of your car. Yeah. But like the Ford and the Ford and Chevrolets, I feel like have a tough time keeping up with, uh, with um, foreign manufacturers of cars, but that's, that's another day, another topic we'll have about car manufacturing, but just in terms of these chips, um, I think, you know, we're doing the right thing by committing 76 billion in these chip, uh, these chip, the chips act. And uh, I'm just hoping that, you know, if Biden's not the president in the next term, whoever gets elected continues all this, you know, legislation and keeps the chips act going. And uh, we can really produce these factory, build these factories quickly. And uh, by the time they're built, I don't want, you know, I want, I want them to be fully ready to have the technology and, and machines and everything and the talent to really start mass producing these chips because we can really make a dent into like world powers like China and really just not have to rely so heavily on other countries, especially if there's a war and we're blocked out of, you know, getting these assets and these technologies, things that we need. Um, so I think it's a positive thing. I do too, Sean. And, and I like the idea of not relying on foreign substances like we rely on foreign oil. The problem is we got to get all the people to make a whole lot of money hand over fist in this country on foreign oil. They have to get their, their all their ducks in line um, before we can go all electric with vehicles. That's the reason why it's taking so long, that they need to get all their ducks in line, all the people that make massive amounts of money on oil. Same thing here. People that make, are going to make money off this got to get all their ducks in line. And I, I'd like to see it come to fruition. I'm with you as far as it would be nice to see blank. And everything you said, it would be nice to see it. Show me. I'm Missouri. Show me. So we'll see. Yeah. I think it's also great for a lot of these these smaller states, you know, because a lot of these yeah. smaller states do rely on these big factories, a lot of their jobs. You know, the locals live, you know, you know, not say they're not engineers, say they're just like, you know, your average uh blue collar worker. It's gonna it's gonna, you know, there's gonna be a lot of jobs opening. I think that's yeah, cool, yeah, well, and will be yeah, making those microchips, so there'll be factories where there are a lot of those folks there. I mean, you know, and it's just bring it's Americana. I mean, bring back the days of the forties and fifties, you know, the thirties, forties and fifties when uh, a person could grad graduate high school and they didn't necessarily have to go to college. They can go work at Campbell Soup Factory and, and make a, a reasonable living, like a reasonable living and have um, you know, um take two vacations a year. Mom could stay home. Dad would be the only one working. I mean that would that that really happened. Now you get somebody that doesn't have a college education and is looking for a job like that. They can't even barely survive. So, you know, we've eroded so so far that I'd like to see some of that come back. Absolutely. So, yeah, this article pumped me up. I, I read it thoroughly and it was like, it's like I just learned all these new things, like these little terms. That's the thing. Like I always hype up the New York Times in the show and I don't want to lose listeners just because they're anti-New York. Because a lot of people don't like the New York Times because they think they're quote unquote liberal. So if you're not liberal, quote unquote, and you're more conservative, you might think, oh, New York Times, what a liberal paper. But no, there is so much substance and information. It really is high level writing. It's not like reading it. It's, not, it's, a, it's a great like hybrid. It's like it's not like you're it's like you're reading a textbook plus an entertaining article at the same time. So you're learning and entertained. Um and it's just legit. So yeah, yeah, they're, know, they're, they're going to shoot you phrases. straight. They're going to yeah, New York Times is going to shoot you straight. Yeah, they exactly. Are. I don't because when I see, like I told you on previous episodes, I really avoid a lot of the political articles. Um, but I, you know, I I really find every time I open up that New York Times, I find an article that's going to make me. A, I feel like I'm smarter after I read it. I'm like, oh my god, I just got a little bit smarter, and I always think that's cool. Uh, but this article yeah. really got me, and I thought it was cool because last week it was kind of a heavy subject. Uh, the past couple of art, the past couple of subjects, you know, um, what we talked about last episode got a little bit heavy. Um, 
with the you know people trying to overthrow the government and with the news anchors influencing them. And yeah, that, that was that was so, yeah. That just it, it triggered a lot of passion and so forth. And, and it, but I just wanted to reiterate, reiterate one thing about that too. And I always said, uh, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent. If you're a really good person, a decent person, thumbs up. And and most people are. Uh, I was just a little frustrated at some of the folks that that took action that day on the on the Capitol. That's all. Yeah. I mean, because the, the politics even invades uh, personal lives and stuff and everyday life because. I'm on dating. I'm a single guy and I'm on dating sites and I'll see girls profiles. And this is more during the Trump era, but it was like, if you're a Trump or if you voted for Trump, please keep swiping or swipe, you know, X me out or swipe left or whatever the hell it is. Um, and then also, you know, conversely, it was like, if you're, if you like buy it and then keep then move on. And I'm like, people are really just like narrowing their whole dating to like someone who has to share their political views. I'm like, that's kind of sad, but well, I digress be, on that. Well, it is not. You, you raise a, a very a good point because there are people like uh, um, Mary Magdalene and um, um, a guy that ran Clinton's campaign. I forget his name. But the one guy ran Clinton's campaign in 92. Like it's the economy stupid. I can't remember his name offhand. Because I'm, I have a head cold and I'm sick. And Mary Magdalene is somebody that ran um, George Bush's campaign. So you would Carville. think James, James Carville. James Thank Car- you, sir. Carville. Thank you, James Carville and Mary Magdalene. Two opposite sides of poli- politics. Well, they fell in love and got married. I mean, because sometimes you just, you know, you just you 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 say, okay, we, we disagree there. So what? Exactly. <laughs> Let's not talk exactly. about that. I feel bad for people who let like some, because they could, you know, it could be like their soul, their soulmate, but apparently they're not going to meet their soulmate because they've already X them out because that person supports, you know, so-and-so candidate. It's kind of sad, but. Well, that, this shit know, can, maybe, maybe. it can consume you. It can consume you. And you've seen me sometimes already in like a, like an, an absolute, like almost boarding on a rage. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell am I doing here? What am, what's <laughs> going on? At the end of the day, I can only go down the street and pull a lever and walk out the booth just like anyone else. And at the end of the day, it brings out the worst in me when I get that pissed off. And I said this to the girl that's cutting my hair. And she goes, Joe, it brings out the worst in everybody. It really does. And it really does when people get, get crazy with this stuff. So I just took a break from it all. I just really did take a break from it all. You know? Absolutely. Um, so moving on to sports. Uh, obviously, we have no choice but to talk about this just to open up. Um, I can't I barely hear DeMar you, Johnny. Hand- okay. Uh, um, Snuggle up you to me? your mic there. Okay. Okay. Uh, for some reason, I had this mic. Like I, I've customized the settings. I listen to every show. You know, I don't just record the show and just forget about it. Like I'll literally listen to it like at least one or two times, and I keep adjusting on the. On, I have a MacBook. I can keep adjusting the input level. Um, that's, and, that's and then I go nice. back to the settings. That's so now nice, it's good because I, I just moved. I just moved it up, right? Yeah. But I, like then when I X out of it, even though I save it, um, it's like supposed to, the settings are supposed to be saved. It goes back to where it was. Okay. So like throughout the show, I, I probably sound a little bit louder. I'm literally sitting at my desk, you know, right near the microphone. So, um, okay. yeah, it's one of those things. I don't know what's going on with this. It's like, it's like maybe the, maybe the microphone is like, thinks it's like a smart mic where it can like, you know, auto tune your mic for you. But I, you know, I want to, I want Joe and I's voice to be equal when people listen. I don't want people to be driving in their car and, uh, and be like, oh man, I can, you know, now I have to turn the volume down when Sean talks or after yeah. Joe talks, I have to turn the volume up when Sean talks. Um, we're trying to, uh, we're trying to really get this, with this, this really good. And so I listen folks to it, on, I listen to it on my AirPods. I listen to it on my AirPods. I listen to it in my car. I'm really trying to see what the audio sounds like. <coughs> right. And to see that time I had to miss my cough button. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> 
we all get one of those per show. But anyway, I, uh, I brought but, up Joe. Uh, yeah. I brought up Demar Demar Hamlin, right? He's the Bills' safety. Last night, if anyone was paying attention or had the news on or sports on or was watching the game between the Bills and Bengals, right. uh, this gentleman twenty he's only twenty four years old. He made a tackle, and then he had to be resuscitated. Um, and it was very scary, and everyone was freaking out because they thought he died. Uh, he basically went into cardiac arrest. He's in critical condition now at the hospital. They suspended and postponed that football game. Uh, I think the NFL did the right thing. A lot of people might have been, a lot of, especially fantasy football owners, were kind of being greedy. Oh my God, what's going on in my fantasy football game? And it's like, you know, I had I had this receiver. I had like Jamar Chase. I had Stefan Diggs. I had Josh Allen. And this fucking guy, just because he get, gets hurt and almost dies. Why, no, that's nonsense. You know, you have to stop the game. You can't continue it because everyone in the stadium doesn't know what's going on. It's not even about that. It's not about getting the guy to the hospital and forgetting about it. The teammates in the field, everyone, especially his teammates, um, they're going to be thinking, wow, is he okay? Is he dead? And they're supposed to play a football game. So I think they did the right thing. Um, you know, but yeah, DeMar Hamlin is only 24. He's only he's in his second year in the league. I think he went to the university of Pittsburgh. Um, he was on the field. So obviously he's a decent player to be playing in such a big game. Bills are a really good team. Um, so, you know, my, my thoughts and prayers are with DeMar for sure. Mine too. Mine too. Uh, kids, 24 years old, 24 years old. And, I looked at that hit, and most of the times it's head-to-head. This was not head-to-head. He got drilled in the chest, and he gets up, and he gets up for a split second, and everything goes limp, and his body just won't just hit like a wet spaghetti noodle. He hits the ground, Um, and uh, it was frightening. And listen, a lot of times they'll have guys carted off and the guys will, they'll be numb from maybe the waist down and they'll give a thumbs up or something like that. This poor kid was showing no signs of life for over like 35 minutes and everyone around was just stone scared to death. And how do you play football? After it's hard enough playing it under normal circumstances. You were watching the game live when it happened. I had just put it on and everyone's standing around in a circle. So then I rewound yeah. what happened. I had to, I can rewind it with my team, you know, so I rewind, I rewound and saw what happened. Um, and I came back to live action and they were still just standing around, but, um, you know, Sean, you watch football guys get rung up and the stretcher comes out and the, 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 the crowd yeah. goes crazy and they give a thumbs up or something. That's hard enough to go keep playing there when you know, your buddy might be paralyzed in some, in some way, shape or form. But this and this crazy, was really the crazy part about it is um yeah. he he was actually the person making the tackle right he's usually the person who gets hit they get they get like blindsided and something really bad happens they, yeah. they don't regain their consciousness but he's the one who actually made the hit which is I think it's actually this is just my theory um, they might discover that he has some other health problems that they caught which could have led to his early death or some early you know retirement or that's just me speculating well, so he's, he, he's he not out of the woods yet after, what. He's not out of the woods yet, though, Sean. Oh, he's not. He's not. Hopefully, yeah. he survives and everything. Obviously, we want him to survive and because I've you know, got live concerns his life. about that. What, but what I'm ahead. telling you is why they're studying his brain, why they're studying all the, the 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 details and the computers, and he's hooked up to all these wires and stuff like that. Maybe they'll discover that he has some sort of health issue that you know that that maybe they he would never have known about because that happens well, a lot. People have these medical scares or these minor like doctor's appointments, and then they discover something a larger problem by well, accident. We had a, a center here, a long snapper called John Dorenbos. He was also like a magician. He was a real good personality. The Eagles did about five, six years ago. And he was with us a long time. We went to trade him to New Orleans. He goes to the physical and they found a little defect in his heart that could have killed him. They fixed it. 
they would not have found that Absolutely. unless the Eagles yep. went to trade them to New Orleans and they made the trade. The New Orleans made the trade contingent upon a physical. He said he was never so happy in his life. Yep, that so. stuff happens all the time. So this could have, uh, you know, a happy ending if he's healthy, if he's able to play football again, but also if they happen to discover something else that led to the, cause I don't know how cardiac arrest really, you know, cardiac arrest is kind of a complicated blanket term, um, but it's very yeah. scary. And he's on like, you know, he's in critical, when they say critical condition, it's serious. So my thoughts and prayers are with him. Mine too. Um, as far as uh, football goes, um, Joe, are you a little bit nervous for that game versus the Giants this week? Uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. Um, I, uh, I just, I just can't believe. I just, I'm, I'm nervous overall that I just think that, I just think that maybe we played our best football this year a couple, maybe six, eight weeks ago, and I, I don't know. I, I just don't know what to so think. Explain, I know. Explain this. Explain the situation to the viewers and the listeners. Um. What exactly was the scenario? The scenario for the Eagles was, is, is, and was, um, they were like basically undefeated. They're on their way to a comfortable division win NFC East and basically winning the whole conference and getting the number one seed and getting that bye week. And in these past couple of weeks, ever since Jalen Hurts has been out, uh, they're on the, if they lose, they've lost two in a row. The first loss to the Cowboys, then they lost to the Saints. Um, and now if they lose to the Giants and the Cowboys win, we're playing the Commanders that, you know, we're both playing at 425 on Sunday. Um, but basically, if the Eagles lose and the Cowboys win, the Cowboys win the division. I think so. That's kind of what's going on. So you're an, you're a diehard Eagles fan, and you got to be. You know, it's got to drive you crazy. What's going on? It's it's it really is. It's so frustrating. It's unbelievable. And I just like I said, I got concerns about Lane Johnson coming back. See, I'm I'm just thinking about winning a championship, and um, yeah, I I. I I don't think they'll lose to the Giants because they just they just beat the Giants pretty handily. And Jalen's coming back, and that makes a world of difference because the other kid, he's a good kid and all that. He's a good backup, but he's not a starter. And Jalen's barely a starter. I mean, you know, I think Jalen's an, an adequate starter. He's not a superstar yet, but he's adequate. And uh, I think if he plays, they win, but they still have to watch the right side because uh, – you know, we're going to be without Lane Johnson. I've just got concerns about my football team, not only short term, like next week, getting the, you know, the home field and the first bye, but I got concerns going into the playoffs. Uh, are we playing our best football and are we, are we healthy? It's kind of a drag, man. And so it, right now it's, so it's, are you, you got, is Jalen Hurts definitely playing this week? Oh, I, they haven't announced it, but I don't know how in the name of God they could not do it. I don't know how they could not do it unless his injury is far more significant than they let on, you know, but I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't think that's the, I hope I sure as hell hope the, that's the, not the good the thing for the Eagles though, is the giants are going to be playing there because the giants clinched the playoff spot and they can't really improve their seed at all. Right. Um, so I don't think the giants have really much. The fact that oh, they hate the Eagles is they're their rival, right? The giants hate the Eagles. The well, hate the Giants. Who else so, did the Giants hate? The Giants really have no incentive to play any of their like starters. So the Eagles should they should win, but you never know, man. No, you 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 don't. I'm gonna tell you, if the Eagles play the way they played in the first half against that Saints team, they won't beat the Giants backups. You know what I mean? I'm telling you, if they play the way they played in the first half against the Saints, they won't beat the Giants backups. Now, 
They better, you know what? I'm tired of even talking about it. For, for a couple, three, four weeks now, I've been saying they better get it together. They better, you know what? I'm done, man. It's like, it wouldn't surprise me if they lost this thing. They lost the first seed. They made the playoffs and they lost in the first round. That would not surprise me. Fortunately, though, it would not surprise me if they kick, just get a W. They don't have to kick ass this week. Just get the W. Get the first place seed, get everybody healthy, and go stomp ass and go to the Super Bowl. That wouldn't surprise me either. So I don't know what to expect. I don't know. I just don't know. So we're we're gonna see. Yeah, and I have to. Uh, I got to figure out because you know, hopefully the Eagles lose. I'm a Cowboys fan, so hopefully I want them to lose and the Cowboys to beat the Commanders. But um, there's Speak so up. many different scenarios uh, between the Eagles, 49ers, Cowboys, and Vikings for a first round bye. Because only the, I think only the one seed gets the first round bye. Um, so basically, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I think the Cowboys, I, I don't know who controls their destiny. I got, I got to look at more of these scenarios. Um, but you know, I think, uh, I think there's a 40% chance of actually the great, there's a 40% chance, uh, for great teams to lose at home, uh, lose at home against a playoff quality team. I don't know. I'm just reading some article really quickly. Um, yeah, so there's just all these different scenarios. I don't know what the details are, but Vikings, 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys, you're all contending for number one seed. Um, it should be exciting. Because I think at first I thought all the games were at 1 o'clock, but actually all games are uh, um, not at 1 o'clock. So they moved the Cowboys-Commanders uh, game to 425, and they have the Giants-Eagles playing at 425. Um, and you know what else, Sean, so, about this? I'm sorry. I didn't want to interrupt you. I, I thought you were done. Um, what else is great about this is I think can be great about this for the Eagles is instead of like everyone resting this week and kicking back for like the last couple of weeks and I'm, they play a meaningful game, then they get one week off and then they go right at it. I think that could be a blessing in disguise because sometimes teams get a couple of three weeks off and it's like, wow, what are we doing here? So I yeah, think no, it could be it keeps them on their toes. Exactly, I, I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. Um, I think the so the Forty Nineers, Kyler Murray's out for the year. Kyler Murray like tore his ACL, but I think the Cowboys' path to number one is if the Forty ers and the Eagles lose. So basically, I think you know it's going to be tough. But if those Forty ers lose to the Cardinals, um, you know it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think uh, actually I don't know who who the, the quarterback for the, uh, the the Cardinals this week is David Blow. Wow, B L O U O U G H. Because I thought they had that other guy, that journeyman quarterback, um, the guy with the Texas, um, you know, Colt McCoy. But uh, yeah, so it looks like um, looks like the Cowboys need a couple of things to happen. But you know, I know you're sound. You, Joe, tell the audience you got a little cold, right? You got a little, you got a little congestion. You're dealing oh, with. You're really fighting through. It's so um, much more than just a little cold. It's it's got exactly. me. It, it's got my chest. It's an upper respiratory thing at this point. It's got my head. It's got my chest. It it hurts from my from my sinuses in front all the way back to my ears and the back of my neck. It, it's it's a mother. Um, yeah. So so yeah. So I know you're dealing with that. I I I'm happy. I congratulate you for playing through the pain, for playing sick, and doing it for the team. Thank uh, you, I commend sir. you for that, sir. Thank you, sir. Um, as far as my bad gambling beat, because we're going to cut it short because Joe's he's feeling a little sick, you know, but we went, we went a little bit long this week. Um, so not as much sports as everyone would like, but we'll do more sports uh, later this week. But my bad gambling beat was New Year's Eve. You know, I was drinking a little bit, feeling a little bit toasted, feeling pretty good. And I threw, I threw some money. I just threw like 13 bucks on Ohio State money line. They're playing Georgia. 
And basically the bad gambling beat was they lost by one point. And the reason they lost is there was like eight minutes left in the game. And it was fourth down, fourth and like one. Georgia had stopped them. And it was fourth and one. And they did a fake punt. And uh, Ohio State got the fake punt. They, they did a fake punt. They snuck. They ran the ball instead of punting it. They got the first down. But it turns out that Georgia, Kirby Smart, I believe, is the coach of Georgia. He called the timeout, which basically put a kibosh to the whole fake punt success. And then they redo the fourth down. So I don't, this guy got very lucky by timing. Usually they, they, they try to ice the kicker if it's a field goal, but not really on punts. So maybe he sniffed something out. I mean, that's good coaching by Kirby. He saw that they were going to do a fake punt because that would have been the game. If they if they completed that fake punt, you know, they still have the ball, that would have been game because they I think they were up by at least 10 points at that, that point. Anyway, Georgia came back and won by one point. Uh, I think some guy missed an extra extra point at, you know, at some point in the game, which also led to that to being, you know, losing by one point. But anyway, I, I digress. That's my bad gambling beat. I thought I, after New Year's Eve, I thought my last bet in the year, I thought I won my bet, but I didn't. Um, not a big deal. But, you know, anyway, that's, I digress. That's my bad beat. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Joe, I want you to feel better and be really ready for uh, Friday or Saturday show. And, Thank you. Uh, you know, any the social media links are on our description. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great day. Take care.